I was in a really bad place emotionally and just struggling with depression. And I had connected with Jim a bunch through that season. And I remember one of my friends was checking in with me and I was telling her about different revelations I had had. And she's like, you get these revelations when you work out. Why don't you just work out more? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I haven't worked out in six months. She's like, well, you're always going to the gym. And I'm like, no, Jim's my therapist. <laughs> and I just laughed because, you I know, like it. I, yeah, like it. I know it's hilarious. So thanks, Jim. You're my, like you're my gym <laughs> membership. Uh, I go to, keep taking your walks. Too, I know. Okay? I know. I'm just kidding. I know. Hey, you awesome people. Welcome back to the podcast. You guys, I'm so excited that you are here today. I'm so excited to be here today. I actually have been nursing a pinched nerve in my neck for the last week, so it's been super frustrating, and I'm a recovering athlete, so I don't know how to deal with injuries very well, so I keep doing too much when I start to feel better, but I think I'm learning my lessons. So there's something to be learned in this. I just haven't quite found what it is. So thank you for bearing with me. Anyways, okay, you guys, I'm so excited. So about a week and a half ago, I had a really long conversation with Jim, my therapist, who is a regular on the podcast, and we decided to cut that episode or that conversation into two, maybe three episodes. So I'm dropping the first one today because I just listened to it and I just felt simple and easy peasy to be able to cut this one section out. The section today is about therapy. Do I need therapy? Do you need therapy? Who needs therapy? What is therapy? And I think Jim really cuts through kind of the the BS and helps us understand, takes away the mystique of uh, therapy and all of that. And really, he's so humble. Oh my gosh, it's incredible. He's I'm so blessed to have this guy in my life. And I'm so blessed that he says yes every time I ask him to come on the podcast. So I love sharing him with you. I'm hoping today blesses you. I'm hoping today brings some clarity. If you've ever had the question or asked the question, do you need therapy? I think Jim normalizes our questions and our struggles and uh, just takes away the mystique around it. He also gives really hands-on encouragement about you and I just day-to-day in our relationships and how we can even minister to one another and, and all of that. So anyways, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. At the end of the episode, we go right into the continued conversation because I was on the call with Jim for a while when we recorded this. So you'll get a little taste of uh, the next episode that's going to drop. It's about how do you live in your skin? How do you live in your circumstances? How do you thrive even when things are hard or even when certain situations or certain aspects in your life are hard? And Jim's really good at articulating and helping us have permission to acknowledge the struggle, but yet continue to find that hope and that joy and that peace and and to be comfortable in our own skin with our struggles and our unique histories and, and all of that. And so anyways, I think the next episode's really going to bless you guys as well. We talk about acceptance, which is uh, one of my favorite, not favorite subjects <laughs> in the whole world. I think I'm starting to really grasp how to have acceptance and to stay on my side of the street though, which I'm super pumped. And by stay on my side of the street, what I mean is my side of the street is my life and what I control. The other side of the street is what everybody else controls, but the other side of the street tends to drive me bonkers because I have no control of it and I can't fix it. And so, but this pursuit of having healthy acceptance has really brought me so much peace and so much clarity on what battles to fight and what to just have peace with and to what to let go of. 
You guys, I love you. I'm so grateful you're here. I hope this episode blesses you. Let me read Jim's bio and then we'll jump right in and I will talk to you guys again in a couple of days. I'm going to work on editing right now and send it off to the editor and hopefully it'll be up in a couple of days. So really excited. I, I really don't like when I go a whole week without posting. So if you're a regular and a, you've noticed the delay, I'm so sorry. Um, just kind of was sideswiped by a couple things in life on top of a pinched nerve that I've been nursing and getting treatment for and all of that. Thank God it's nothing worse, but I'm super, super grateful to be here. And so I apologize for my regulars. For those of you that just found this episode, hey, welcome to the family. I'm excited that you're here and I'm excited to share Jim, my therapist, with you. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about Jim. Like I said, Jim's my therapist. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist, and he's been a therapist for nearly 40 years. You guys, Jim really has a pastor's heart, a shepherding heart. He actually received his bachelor's from San Jose Bible College and was in seminary and intended to become a pastor, and life happened, and he ended up getting his master's degree from Fuller Theological Seminary in Marriage and Family counseling, and he's been a therapist ever since. Jim is the founder and the director of Abundant Life Counseling, and he has a heart for integrating God's word and seeking wholeness spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. Jim has a beautiful family with two grown children, and he and his wife have been married for 34 years, and they teach a marriage class together right outside of Los Angeles, California, in Northridge and in Santa Clarita. If you want more information about uh, the marriage class or to get in touch with Jim, I'll have his info in the show notes as well. All right, you guys, let's dive in. Welcome to a Holy Mess podcast. All right, my friends, we all know life can be so difficult and painful at times especially when we're carrying grief or loss or wrestling with shame about our past, anxiety about our future, or frankly, like we are just not enough. But there has to be so much more for us. There is hope and joy, peace, love, fun, purpose, and a reason that you, my friend, are on this planet. Let's partner with God so you can be who he created you to be as you wrestle through and trudge through your mess. Hi, I'm Danny, a recovering alcoholic, a mom, a wife, a mentor, and dust. We are only here for a moment. Let's live like it. I'm just like you. I'm a holy mess most days. Actually, every day. Let's have some fun and laugh while trudging through our mess. This stuff doesn't need to be dry and boring. Let's dig in. But that's part of the goal of life is to grow up before we die. So this is part of that maturity as I walk my way. It's all grounded, Danny, in acceptance first. It's got to be grounded in this. Okay, this is just a journey. And the truth is, it's a journey for everyone. Everybody's on this journey, whether they know it or not. Everybody. It's just people play it different. It looks differently because you're not inside their skin. But everybody has to be able to learn this. And it doesn't take very much to look around and see people, how many people are, my gosh, screwing this up. Just look at the latest crisis in some pastor having an affair or politician taking a bribe or someone getting a DUI. This is just the world. So we're just all in it together. We're all human. Yeah. Which is the good news and the frustrating news, <laughs> right? And I think one of the things, so, and I want to segue into my next question for you, but one of the things that you've taught me the most, besides being like a place, a really amazing place for me to process and figure myself out, is you've taught me this concept that is so deeply embedded in me now where it's getting more natural. Like, acceptance of myself and finding grace and compassion for myself and really taking 
Jesus's love and grace and compassion and truth from the head knowledge to the heart knowledge and all of that. So I really appreciate that and how you're always, even when I come to you with like, oh man, I'm so frustrated with myself about X, Y, and Z. You're like, well, yeah, but here's the beautiful aspect of that. So I love that perspective. And you guys, it's something that Jim has taught me and that I really would love to pass on to you through Jim and through myself, but is finding the other side. There's always two sides to whatever coin. So whatever you hate about yourself right now, or you're struggling with, or you're hard on yourself, man, take a breath and just like me, like Jim just did with me about people pleasing. It's also out of kindness. It's out of care. It's out of compassion, right? Like we're all mixed motives in everything you guys. And that's okay. It's very human of us. The only one who was never mixed motive with Jesus, right? And We only needed one of him, right? And that's by the grace of God. But one of the things I want to ask you, Jim, is so a part of the tools, which I've been implementing these things for a decade now in my life and finding rhythms and routines and practices that help me instead of just being tossed to and fro by my emotions, actually finding the agency to find peace and to find joy, no matter what the circumstances are, right? Like, doesn't matter. I can still have some agency to help myself a little bit today and encounter God's goodness and grace in my heart and mind. But one of the tools I wanted to bring up to you because you're a therapist and because you've been a therapist for so long, help me because I have people ask me all the time, like, do I need therapy? Which I think at one point in our life, we all need therapy, right? Just to have that person that we can process with and, and kind of find that inner healing childhood stuff or just life when life hits you and having that safe space with somebody who actually can hold the space for us, right? Like our friends are great, but they don't really have all the tools that we need to help pull us out when we're indulging in despair, right? (laughs) And to help. And sometimes they try to pull us out too quickly because if we don't process enough, then it's just, we never get, it's like scar tissue that never gets broken up. So help me and help the listeners figure out how does someone know if they need therapy and how do they go about exploring it and all of that? Great question. So in the grand scheme of things, we're trying to put practices and relationships in our life that are help me be me, right? And so therapy is only one of those tools, let's call it, or practices that are part of my regime of being human, knowing, walking my walk. So having a good church, let's say mentor or being in a 12-step program, how to sponsor, it's counseling. That's a form of counseling, let's call it. Those uh, going sitting at church and listening to a sermon is taking direction. Listening to a podcast is sort of a form of counseling in a way. So I want to take the mystique away from it a little bit because it's easy sometimes to think of it separate from other forms of it anyway that are happening in our life all the time. When I read the book, she was counseling me. Sharing her story was helping me reflect on my story and understand myself better as I heard her story. I love my new counselor, Ellen, and her help for me. And I've had probably hundreds of those because of the tribe of books that I've found. So in a way, we're all in this relationship of helping each other and gaining access to resources and people that help us. And you know how it is. You'll fall in love with an author or a speaker and you'll gobble up everything they got. And they are for a season, they're counseling you, let's call it, right? So on one way, let's just take it out of that, okay? Secondly, don't think that the counselor, you go to somebody who's now got some magic formula and because they've got a degree on the wall that they've got it all together. That is so far from the truth, right? Everybody's got their stuff. 
everybody's got to put their pants on one leg at a time. They got to go through their life too. And they're just trying to work it out. In fact, most of us go into the field because man, we struggled too. And we fell in love with it because we were trying to get help ourselves. Basically, we hung around long enough to get a degree. Jim, you mean you're not, you're not perfect. perfect? You don't have your stuff well, all together is my... Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about everybody okay. else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I think if you go in where you're one down from the counselor, you're hurt, needy person, and they're the expert and they're got it all together, then you create this almost paternalistic kind of place and give too much power away to this person. And a good counselor, I think, is going to try to help keep you from doing that. Unhealthy counselors are going to love that because that's narcissism and they're going to, it's going to feed their narcissism, you know, and they want to sound really wise. <laughs> so, well, and I remember when I first got back to counseling with you. Like I wanted that. I just wanted Jim to have all the answers. Tell me what to do. And I'll never forget, like you kept deflecting me and like, Hey, let's do this. And let's do the support group. And maybe you should reach out to this person. I'm like, Jim, why are you keep deflecting me? And what you were doing is you were building my community. You were building my tools for myself and trying to not make yourself be the savior. Cause I only need one savior and it's not Jim, exactly. <laughs> right? Like exactly. So when you go to those other resources, they're all part of input. In fact, Danny, after a while, you start bringing resources. And so everybody listening to this podcast, when you come across something that's like, oh, this really helped me, email Danny with it. Say, here's something that maybe, have you seen this? And many times just not, who is this person? And wow, this is cool. I'm going to use this, right? And we network all this stuff together, right? And I like that because it doesn't make you the sick person going to the healthy person trying to get the prescription. The other thing is life is process. It's never done. So it's not like you go, I wish it was, right? I wish there was the pill. Just give me the pill. Give me the book. Give me the, the one, two, three, and I'll be better. It's out there. I'll grab it. I'll buy it. But it's not process. So then when do I go to therapy or not? So therapy is a specialized relationship. It's a dedicated relationship with you hope with somebody who is, they're in the field, you hope they're reading, they're trying to understand, they're trying to know the resources, they've been with maybe hundreds if not thousands of other people as they bring that to bear and trying to help you understand your experience. They Hopefully they've got a gifts of mercy and compassion and relationships so they can create a safe space for you to come and be, right? And I like what you said, it's holding that space for somebody without shame or judgment, freedom to be all of me, because it's very hard in our world go share a lot of parts of myself. Okay, it's very hard to do that. So therapy often becomes the new confessional. So it used to be if you grew up Catholic, you'd go to the priest and confess your sins. Well, Protestants don't do that. Even most Catholics don't even do that anymore. So it's therapy, right? Well, that just means I'm a place where I can talk about those deep, dark parts of me and be open. That's why I think also 12-step programs are so good because that's what people do. I am Jim, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a, you know, bulimic, I'm a whatever you label, and people just say, hi, Jim. So I think there's a power in that sense of freedom, safety, and trust that's there. And a good therapist is going to create an environment and just by their presence going to be a person that's easy to share with, is safe, and also will then bring resources and guidance as you try to understand your experience. I also think therapy is a language process. Therapy is a language where I learn to identify. So many of us are in our experience, but we can't step out of our experience, right? We're just so in it that we can't see ourselves. We're so close to the trees, we can't see the forest because it swamps us. We're just overwhelmed with anxiety or fears. And a therapist is trying to acknowledge that and then begin to unpack it and put other labels to it 
And as you get more labels, you slowly get more agency. You get more ability to see it. You get the more ability to detach from your experience a little bit, to objectify it a little bit and depersonalize it. It is freaking hard to do. When you're really depressed, it's hard to, for someone, if there's someone's really depressed and then the therapist says, man, I hear how depressed you feel and hopeless you feel. I wonder if there's just some anger in there. And then they start talking about, guys, let's just pick up. Do you seem really angry? wonder what that's about. And all of a sudden, this person's trying to look at, is there anger below this depression? Maybe that's fueling some of this. Or even from this, say, I, I wonder if you're just feeling helpless. And then all of a sudden, that word helpless starts to trend it on. We put these labels out there, and a therapist is trying to put labels out there and let that person try them on. Does this fit? It's like going to the fitting room. I'm a guy, so I probably don't do as much as most of the women would do, but you put clothes on. You know, what do I, how do I look in these clothes, right? <laughs> I'm sure that can be an interesting process at best but you're trying things on. Does it fit me? Is it accurate? As I get better at describing my experience and a therapist is trying to help you get accurate, it helps me also know, get my tools of how I deal with those parts of me. And then and together I'm giving and getting resources. I've got to be able to get a way to understand my experience. This is what you do with your kids, by the way. When you're raising your kids, slowly you're helping them understand that themselves, put labels to things and get better at it because language is so powerful. What we call things is really important and we're going to label it. Hopefully we're labeling it in a healthier, more hopeful way that gives us direction of what to do with it. I love that. Labeling it in such a way that gives us our agency back. Well, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of labels are shame-based labels. I'm such a wimp. I'm just, so, uh, I'm a failure. Don't belong, right? And those labels are shame-based labels versus grace-based labels. I don't think labels by themselves are bad. No label fits us perfectly. But I want grace-based labels to see underneath the shame labels to the brokenness, to the woundedness, to the fear that's inside. All those things begin to understand that. So that helps me then see, this is like an inner child work in a way that helps me see those parts of me, definitely parts of me, but that I now slowly have agency to start to take care of when I get triggered. Yeah. And you mentioned the inner child work, which is such a huge part of therapy. It's like healing those. It's not woohoo, you guys. Like there's not actually a child in us, but it's like these parts of us that were probably wounded when we were children, right? And so bringing healing to those parts of us, it could also be like neuroplasticity brain stuff, right? Like our brains learned, our brains are like plastic and they can be retaught and all of that. And they talk about how our brains, like the neuroplasticity and the lanes get really well grooved. Like I'm a fearful person. And then my brain just goes straight to fear anytime something happens. Well, relabeling it into, oh, I've struggled with fear, but here's the reality. Like it's almost adding a comma to whatever you're feeling or whatever you've labeled yourself. This may be true in some aspect, but also there's these other things that are more true at times, right? And if you get fundamentally just with Jesus, the more truth of struggling with failure. But the bigger truth is not one failure ever defines me. I've failed. But with Jesus, right, there's always a comma or a semicolon and there's redemption and restoration and reconciliation. And that's not to minimize any of the stuff we've experienced. That's the living hope. Like, I think that is what living hope is, right? And rewording this stuff and then having a safe person to be able to process with, it's really golden to be able to have that. That's perfect. Exactly right. I like that idea of a comma. And in a way, our life is just one big run-on sentence. It never stops. There's never a period. And we got to realize there's always a comma, a semicolon, a parentheses. You know, it's all in there. It keeps going. And that ability to be with people you trust as we're all walking that walk. And then sometimes it's encouragement and sometimes it's accountability. 
sometimes, you know, hey, did you do your mindfulness this week? How can we get that done? Hey, did you go to your meeting? When are you going to go to your meeting? You know, the, the therapist is sort of like a parent. Hey, hey, hey Jim. So Jim always <laughs> asks me every every time I talk to him, like, so did you go to a meeting? Like, how's your AA meetings going? Right? When I'm ranting about something, he'll be like, so did you go to a meeting or go to a meeting this week? And that's part of the accountability. And I'm like, ah. yeah. So they do that, right? And that's part of their therapist job too, as they try to know you well enough to encourage things that are good for you. And everybody, you got to realize, everybody listening to this and Danny, you, you are a therapist to somebody. At the very least, your kids, periodically your friends. You don't have a degree on the wall or license on the wall, but you doing that, that all that we've professionalized a process that everybody does at times in their life and you receive counseling and therapy from somebody. So I don't like at all the sense of the putting a therapist on a pedestal. I'm a human. So yeah, my ego sometimes would love that if people think that of me. But the truth is, I know the reality is I can't live up to that. All it does is shame people. Okay. I always tell clients, I say, you know, okay, this is like a partnership is what it is. We're in this together and you're going to bring things that I don't know. You already do things better than me, by the way. And so that de-shames it as if you're the sick one and I'm the healthy one. I think that's a really unhealthy. And if you ever go to a therapist that, that feels that that's what's being projected, then run. But if we're in together, growing together and learning and you have a safe person to talk to, then hang on to that person because that is really valuable to have. Because in our world, we're isolated. We don't have that. You know, so many of us are emotionally alone in the world. We don't have safe places to share it. We don't have places that we wouldn't be comparing ourselves in some way. So to me is where therapy helps. So it's just a professionalized way of doing it. But you can do it with a sponsor at a 12-step program. Gosh, they'll, the fact they'll give you, they'll probably be more available than most therapists are. There's ways you can do that. They're the parts of your life kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. No, you're right. Thanks for taking the mysticism out of it or the mystique, I guess I should say. Thanks for taking the mystique out of it. Because I remember my hesitation, which is like, I was such a candidate for therapy and probably so much more, but I would go back and forth. Like, do I need therapy? Should I go to therapy? Am I that sick? Right. And then when I got to know you, it was like, oh my gosh, like, why did I wait so long to be able to have this place in this space and all of that? So I love that. (laughs) I love that. It can be a little intimidating. I remember when I first got into counseling back in my twenties, when I was looking, I was just a young guy and I had not even, I was at seminary. So I was not even going to be a therapist, I was going to be a pastor. I remember going through the yellow pages, looking for a counselor. It is in calling. It was incredibly intimidating. And this is way back in 1982, I think. It was. So it was 40 years. Um, very scary, right? So ask friends, uh, pastors, sort of trust your relationship. Go and meet that person and interview them and don't make a commitment. Just go there and then leave, right? Do one session. And most therapists will do this. They'll like what they call an intake session, assessment session, and meet them, get a feel for it, leave, go home, sleep on it, pray about it with two or three people if you want to. And then you'll get a feel because everybody's different, right? That dynamic of that personhood, right? Even most of the studies show that the effectiveness of therapy is not like there's no one modality that is, that is, you know, head and shoulders above everything else. We all hear about cognitive behavioral therapy and that's the way to go. Well, there's really no modality that really is, I think, necessarily super better than one or the other. It's the person of the therapist. Most of the studies show that the, the effectiveness is the therapist effectiveness as a person, right? So when you go, you go and meet them. So somebody say, oh gosh, I person's really helping me. Well, and if you really feel like I need somebody, I need that coaching, I can't get that in my life. And you just set up an intake session. Most therapists will do this. You set it up and okay, let's go meet. Let's talk through what's going on, what's happening, get a feel for it, and then go home and sit on it. 
and then you can always give them a call back. And you can do that a little bit so you can trial run, test drive as you try to find the right person because it's very subjective, right? This is a very subjective process of finding the right person that you click with. Oh my gosh, it so is. You're right. And some of us need a man, some of us need a woman. It just depends on what season. I would say that if you call yourself a Christ follower, I would find a faith based therapist. Although, I've never gone to a non-faith-based therapist, so I don't know. But I would say fundamentally, if your faith is important, because that does influence how we handle things and all of that. So that would be my one little caveat. But yeah, definitely try it on. If it doesn't fit, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that therapist. It just wasn't a fit. And I wonder, and I don't know if this ever happens, Jim, but I'm not even going to ask you. You would have fired me by now. But I was going to say, do therapists ever say, so sorry, after an intake? Have you been waiting to say, like, so sorry, you're fired, Danny? They should. No therapist does everything. So for example, I don't treat kids. So it's very common for me to get calls and they got an 11 year old, especially like people call me because I'm a guy. So they're going to call me about their son. And I'll always say, okay, wow. And I'll listen to their story. And then I'll say, well, here, try this person. I have another referral list I have and try this person because it really probably isn't me. So I should know right away, sort of filter and screen. So people, I'm not wasting their time and get them to the right person that does that kind of work. Right. If a woman calls with eating disorder, man, I'm going to refer them to somebody who works more with eating disorders. And that's sometimes what the intake session is. We're trying to, what's really going on? Is there somebody else that'd be helpful? And so that who is it? If it, if this is good here, but if you're going to work with me, then what are we going to do? What's the plan? And what are the resources? What are we going to try to do? You can't know it all because it's just so evolves most of this stuff, but you can do enough to say, I can say to people, okay, if we work together here, I just want you to know sort of my MO and I'm probably going to push you to go to a support group and I'm probably going to be suggesting a new book a week. That's sort of my thing. I'm going to give you resources to go do stuff. I'm a teacher, so I like to teach stuff. This is my MO, sort of me. And I always tell people, I'll give you 110%. I love what I do and I'm there. You got to give me 120% because ultimately you want to be able to do it. You do it yourself. You ultimately own it and you become it. That's the best. That's so cool. The therapist wants to empower their clients to be doing it. And Danny, you're doing it. I know it still can be a challenge, but you're being it and pa- and doing even doing this podcast. You're passing it on to others what you've learned. What's it say? We comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received. Amen. That's a verse. I love that verse. Yeah, I know. It's like, wow. Yeah. And we encourage others with the encouragement that we have received. We direct others with the direction that we have received. That's it. There's nothing new under the sun, Danny. I got nothing new. Anything I've ever told you is all from somewhere else. <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. I, don't, I can't even tell you where it's all come from because it's just lived it, right? <laughs> totally. So, well, and by the way, I always say like, I'm not making any of this stuff up. Like I learned it somewhere, right? And just you regurgitate it in your own language, the way it worked for you and put it all together. And That's exactly right. I love finding voices that in their own language tell me things I already know, but I hear it anew through their language and I hear it through their experience. I also would say personally, if you're with a therapist that doesn't share of their life, I'd be careful. I think it's important the therapist is human. And I know this, some modalities of the therapist is, we call it a blank screen, but meaning that they don't share much at all. They don't want the therapy to be about them, right? And so they are very cautious. They won't share much. They don't have pictures of their family in the room, whether they're married or not. They can be very selective what they share. I get some of that, but I tend to think of it as making the therapist more on a pedestal. And I think it can be shaming for the clients, personally. It's, therapy is not about me, so I don't want it to be, okay, 
let's come to therapy and listen to Jim talk for an hour, but to know who I am. People come to my marriage class. My wife and I teach the marriage class. They come meet my wife. I love it. They see all the pictures of my kids up there, you know, as we share, because we're all in it together. So personally, I would want a therapist who's also open about their journey and who's been on a journey, by the way, who's gone through stuff. I don't want someone who's like, hadn't really gone through journey and they got their degree. Then you can get a license as you work hard enough, but who hasn't been through crap. I want them to have struggled and suffered some. I want them to have, that's not just book knowledge, but it's lived knowledge. And I know that because they share some of their journey. Yeah. I love that. And I do appreciate that about you. I think that's one of the reasons why it's been easier for me. But I would say that as well. And I might be stepping on some toes here, but I'd say the same thing for your pastor. Like you want somebody who's acknowledging their shadow sides, their hard things that they're working through that Jesus is in the process of healing them of, right? And you guys, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I totally believe God can heal us in an instant. But I think 94% of our healing is through this process of live together. How did this work for you? What did Jesus do for you? I believe, rid me of my unbelief that he can do this for me. And you see it lived out. It's like, what's that scripture in Revelations? By the word of our testimony and the blood of the lamb. Like that's how we're healed, right? It's like seeing it lived out and what tools are working for you and finding hope that we're not too lost no matter what's been going on. We can find more inner healing, more peace and not be so controlled by circumstances and all that. I think fundamentally, Jim, you carry this like acceptance, like mantle where like you just help people accept who they are, accept their journeys, and then find good lives no matter what's going on. So I love, love, love that. So. Yeah, I think the foundation is acceptance. We're not going to stop being us. Okay. And acceptance for most people gets hijacked into despair. And it's a sense of hopelessness. And so to see the agency that I can find acceptance with hope and growth, and it's sort of weird. It's paradoxical. It's acceptance that nothing has to change for me to be okay. Now, that's so hard, man. Some things are not okay, right? Some things are I'm working on to change so that my life is a little more okay. And I like all that, but it first has to start with me finding ways to be okay as it is right now. It's sort of a paradox. I can't change until I accept first. Like uh, young Carl Jung said, you know, nothing can change until you first accept it. That's hard, right? But the acceptance sort of carries within it space to breathe and space then to work on things without the desperateness or the judgment of failure. And it puts this the center of my life back inside of me, not outside of me. If your life, joy, peace, love is outside of you and in circumstances, then you're in trouble. Oh my gosh, Jim, wait a minute, expand on that. Cause what you just said is brilliant. And like, I want to bottle that up. But what Jim is saying, you guys, is if your love, joy, peace is contingent on your kids being okay, you're up a creek. <laughs> if your love, joy, peace is contingent on total blissful, peaceful marriage, hundred percent of the time, you're up a creek or business stuff or finances or church relationships or any of that. And what Jim is saying, I love it. Put it in your own words, Jim, but put it back inside of you to find the peace, joy. That's what we're after, right? Like that's more inner healing. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's when Jesus said the kingdom is within. If spirituality is anything, it's this sense inside of me that I, among other things, but it, it certainly is the, the sense that there's something within that I can hold that is deeper and helps me find love, joy, and peace through acceptance, a lot of that. 
inside of me so that I can then engage my external world from that position. Hello, my friend. If this episode blessed you, made you laugh, or triggered you, hey, that's growth, please do me a favor and share this with a friend. And if you feel led, please leave a written review for the show. That really helps us out. Don't forget you are in good company if you're feeling more broken than you'd like to admit. And you are more loved than you can ever imagine. Have a great week. See you next time.